Welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where our desire is to find meaning and mission in following Jesus. God designed us to thrive in the context of community, and we would love to have you join us for a weekend service soon in Vancouver. Today's message is from our current sermon series in the book of Joshua, God Before Us. In this study, we will learn some helpful truths from God fulfilling His promise to the children of Israel, and how through following Jesus, we too can experience a life of promise and blessing. In these chapters, these 10 chapters, in chapter number 14 and 15, we come across a story that uh, I believe can be very helpful to us. There's several different stories throughout of different people and uh, uh, character traits of believers or of, of people in Israel that we can learn from. But in our passage today in chapter 14, we're going to pick up when the tribe of Judah comes to Joshua to receive their inheritance. So the tribe of Judah, as you can see, right down here, and they had the tribe of Simeon right in the middle of their tribe, <laughs> uh, right in the middle of there, they had to go around them. But here's the tribe of Judah. And so they came to Joshua to get their land and to receive the inheritance uh, that was promised to them. But while Joshua is getting ready to give them uh, the boundaries and to tell them exactly where they are to go, he's interrupted by an 85-year-old man in verse number 6. It says, And the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, so uh, Caleb comes in and says to Joshua, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. So he, he's about to tell Judah where to go. And this guy comes in and he's like, hey, 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 stop everything. And everybody said, all right, old man. <laughs> well, all right, sure. Stop everything. And he says to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to remember what God did 45 years ago. I want you to remember. And all the people that are there in the room are probably like, well, what, what, what happened? <laughs> what happened 40 years ago? So for us to find out what happened and why he even brought it up, we've got to go back to the book of Numbers. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Numbers. We're going to look at this story. Sometimes you read these verses and you're like, well, what? What is he talking about? Well, we're going to find out today. Well, in chapters 13 and 14 of the book of Numbers, uh, by the way, I mean, you don't have to turn there. I'll give you a brief synopsis. How about that? <laughs> I'll put the scripture up here that, uh, um, that I'm going to reference. But let's give you a bit of a background. By the way, I'm going to do a lot of storytelling today. So buckle up. Here we go. We're going to move some ground today. And so in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the children of Israel had only been out of Egypt about a year at this point. Now, they had made a pretty direct route to the promised land. God had told them where they were to go. The things happened at the Red Sea. And they had uh, experienced God do some amazing things. If you remember back to that story, uh, maybe you grew up and you've heard these stories, but uh, you understand man, God led them by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. How incredible would that have been? Uh, they'd experienced God's daily provision for them of water and of manna, of the destruction, of course, of the attacking uh, uh, Egyptian armies. And they would have uh, seen God give them an incredible victory over the Amalekite army. And they had met with God at Mount Sinai. You remember that story? Just incredible what happened there. But it was during this year uh, out of Egypt that they traveled right up to a place called Kadesh Barnea that uh, Caleb mentioned there. And it's at the very edge of the promised land that God had given to them. So Moses, who was still the leader at the time, then sent out, how many spies did he send out? Twelve spies. Okay, you're with me. Good. He sent out 12 spies, and he sent them out into the promised land. He says, I want you to go and spy out the land. I want you to figure it out. Well, they're there about six weeks. Now, I'd be a little worried at this point, but they're there about six weeks, and they finally do return, and they come back. And when they come back, they give a report of what they saw, and the report that they gave initially was the reflection of the majority's viewpoint of what they had seen. 
In Numbers uh, chapter 13, verse 27, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. I know that's a strange way of describing land. You know, like we just bought a little piece of property up by Whistler. It flows with milk and honey. Uh, the, the idea is, is that it's, it's, it's profitable. I mean, it's, it's a great place. Let's just put it, that is an easy way of looking at it. Um, so they said it's a great place, and this is the fruit of it. They had carried in on between two men's shoulders a pole that had grapes, huge clusters of grapes between them, and they brought it. Uh, they brought it to Moses, and so they said it's a great place. It's amazing, but look at verse 28. But they say, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Adak there. They had to say their name kind of quiet. You don't talk loudly about the children of Adak. <laughs> there's a reason so the majority of the spies these were 10 of the spies so 10 of the 12 came back and they said the land is great but the people are very strong the cities are walled but then along with that report there was a second report and it was by Caleb and Joshua in verse number 30 and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Because what happened is they said, it's a land that's great. The children of Anak are there. I mean, so it, this is a very powerful place. And everybody was all like, oh. And then Caleb silenced the people. He stilled the people. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. You notice the contrast there. <laughs> Ten of them say, this is not, I don't know if we can do this. Caleb says, let's roll. We got this thing. <laughs> he, he wasn't living in fear. Well, look at this. Look, look at how they responded to that. He says, let's go up and go. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, we will not be able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They're, I mean, they are already defeated. Do you see that? They're already defeated. We are not going to beat them. Skip down uh, second part of 32. The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. It, the, the, I mean, you'll get swallowed up by the land and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. Okay, this was a, a family of people that were, I mean, huge giants, like massive people, which come of the giants. And look at this. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. <laughs> and so we were in their sight, meaning we were just like little grasshoppers. These guys are massive, the sons of Anak. And they're out there. And, and I mean, we don't want to mess with these people is what they're saying. They are way too great. There's no way that we can do it. And so the entire nation begins to grumble. And it's interesting in the whole story, they even begin to long to go back to Egypt. Think about that for a minute. Just for a minute. What, what, what were they in Egypt? Slaves. <laughs> and they're like, well, maybe we should go back and uh, <laughs> be slaves rather than try to face the sons of Anak, right? And so, and so they, uh, they, they, they get all nervous and they're, they're all terrified. And, and by the way, I think you and I can relate to that because we often get that way when it comes to the things of God. God says, I want you to go forward into something. I want you to follow me and do this. I want you to give. I want you, whatever. And we're like, Ugh. you know, maybe it was better before I was a Christian. Okay. But remember, there's Joshua and Caleb. So 10 spies. And then there's Joshua and Caleb. So they try to convince the people again. Verse number six of chapter 14. And Joshua, the son of Nun, <laughs> I love that. He did have a father and his name was Nun, not no father at all. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. So they tore their clothes as a sign of just like frustration and, uh, and they were upset. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. And in verse number eight, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Verse number nine, only, what's that word? Say it. 
rebel. They said only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. What a difference, eh? I love that. I love that. This was a confident, powerful plea. They said, listen, don't, don't listen to these 10 guys. We can, they are our bread. We're going to eat them for lunch. <laughs> and they said, Anik. And everybody goes, whoa, don't say that. Uh, no, we don't care. We're going to take these guys out. We're going to eat them for lunch. We've got this. We, we, we totally got it. So do you know how the people responded to that? They said, let's take up stones and let's kill them. Seriously. <laughs> let's kill uh, Caleb and Joshua because they believed in the Lord. Interesting, interesting. Man, it's such a sad story. And it's a sad story because what happened is that God, because of the nation's unbelief, then told them, you are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And there is not going to be a single person except for Caleb and Joshua. Not a single one of this generation will survive over the age of 20. Not a single one of you will survive because of your unbelief and distrust in God. Down in verse number 24, we see how God promised it, where he said, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. So this is the story that Caleb reminds Joshua about in Joshua chapter number 14. He says, remember what was promised to us. Remember that whole situation there. And that's why he says in verse 7, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people, what's that word? Melt. Now we saw that last week and we've seen it back when it dealt with Rahab and, and uh, in Jericho. The heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Man, what a testimony. He says, remember, isn't it funny when you read one verse, he says, remember what happened, and you go back, you got to tell this whole story. <laughs> but now we've got the context. Now we understand what he was saying when he came to him. And so for Caleb, what I want you to see is that the time had now come for him. For 45 years, he'd been waiting the fulfillment of God's promise to him, patiently trusting that God was going to come through for him. And I want to ask the question, how is it even possible? Think about this. How is it even possible that someone could wait patiently for 45 years for a promise of God. How is that even possible? Because be honest today, I have a hard time waiting two and a half minutes for popcorn. <laughs> I have a hard time waiting for that five seconds to pass on that YouTube video so I can go skip ad, right? And move on to the video that I want to watch. I have a hard time waiting that one minute for my coffee. I'm like, Come on, you know, that's why I love mobile ordering. I order in my office, I sit and I wait, I set a timer on my phone, I keep working and then I walk over and it better be there. <laughs> how, how impatient are we as a people, right? And we have a hard time. But Caleb waited 45 years, think about it, 45 years for a promise of God to be fulfilled. So what was it about Caleb that made him different? What was it about Caleb that motivated him to remain faithful to God for all of that time? And the question is, is what can motivate us to remain faithful for the decades to come and to continue serving the Lord and continue looking faithfully to his promises? Well, the answer, I believe, is seen in not only his own testimony, but the testimony of other people. And that brings us to point number one today. That is, Caleb completely committed himself to God. Say that 10 times fast. That's hard. Uh, Caleb completely committed himself to God. Point number one today. This is what I want you to notice in verse number eight. It said, when he's talking about his brethren that went up with him, he said here, but I 
wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9 says, And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. Why? Because, this is Moses speaking about Caleb, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Down in verse number 14 of chapter 14, he said, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day. Why? Because that he, what's that word? Holy followed the Lord God of Israel. The question is, is can you today say that you personally, wholly, completely follow the Lord your God? That was his testimony. He said, I have completely followed God. So I wonder, could you give me the testimony today that you completely and totally follow God? Let me ask you this. How about the people that are closest to you? Would there be someone in your family Somebody at your workplace or somebody uh, that you just know, one of your closest friends, if I went to them and said, hey, tell me about so-and-so, would they say, you know, the first thing I got to say about them is that they are totally committed to God. What a great question. What a great question to ask ourselves. Is there anybody in our lives who would say we are completely and totally committed to God? See, Caleb treasured the promise that God had given to him. And so because he treasured that promise that God had given to them, given to him, he never forgot it. And so he wholeheartedly committed to follow the Lord. And, and it was because, I want you to notice, it was because of his wholehearted following of God that it allowed him to stand up against those haters. It allowed him to stand up against those that would question him. It allowed him to uh, encourage a people to trust and and to follow God. And it was his deep-rooted commitment to God's promise of a land that he was able to look at the land even though it had giants in it and he was able to look at it with heavenly eyes as opposed to earthly eyes, right? Isn't it funny when we look at things in our own fleshly eyes, everything seems huge. Look at those giants. We're like grasshoppers. They're so big. And then Caleb looks at it with the eyes of God. He's like, it's lunchtime. <laughs> That's what he saw. I mean, they're like, they're like bread. We got this. this is, there's no problem at all whatsoever. He had that heavenly vision and it was because he was completely and totally committed to God. See, it was that same kind of commitment that God gave to men like Gideon. Think about Gideon, how he uh, had the courage to face an entire army with 300 men. How did David have the courage to, or the confidence to charge Goliath uh, with a sling? How did Jeremiah have the patience to preach for 40 years with almost no results? How did Stephen have the willingness to give his life for the faith? Or how did Paul have the perseverance to face torture and shipwreck and beatings and sufferings? How did our uh, forefathers, our Christian forefathers, have uh, the courage to give their lives for the truth? Well, it was because they are wholeheartedly, completely devoted and committed to the Lord. And, and I got to tell you, church, this is what we need today. We need to be people who are wholeheartedly committed to God. If you're going to follow him by faith, if you're going to see uh, God uh, work uh, through the storms, if you're going to see God uh, be there with you through those odds that you're facing, the financial struggles, the uh, wayward children, the, the anxiety, the depression, the unforgiving spirit, the overcoming sins, the spiritual attacks that you're facing, if you're going to be able to work through that, listen, you're going to have to be a person completely and totally devoted to God. As a church, listen church, if we're going to continue to serve this, this, uh, this city if we're going to continue to reach people in this community, uh, continue to share the gospel and give by faith and serve the local church and serve one another uh, lovingly and, and be able to trust God with our future, you're going to have to be, we're going to have to be a church that's committed to God completely and totally. Now listen, this idea, this approach is not like a head in the clouds or head in the sand kind of a thing. I want you to get that. It is, it, sometimes, sometimes Christians are accused of that, you know, like you got, you don't, you're not grounded in reality. No, no, no. This is a firmly grounded the position right here and you're, you're firmly focused and clearly focused in the life 
or and your life is focused clearly in the reality of God's power. Did you notice that in the passage there? He said, if God is with us, God's going to go with us. We're going to be totally fine. Totally fine. And it's because he was completely and totally committed to God. Romans chapter 12, I believe, uh, makes this very clear to us where he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. That is a great thought right there. If you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, meaning it's a reasonable thing for us to do as believers to present ourselves to God in that way. And then he says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, Caleb could not have been wholly committed to God unless he was willing to sacrifice. Unless he was willing to resist conforming to the world. And that's what we see in his life there. Did you notice that in, in, in the story we read? He would not conform to the common majority view of the promised land. He was willing to sacrifice his life to move forward into an unknown land that God had given to him. And because of that, because of his focused mind on God's truth, he was able to prove, which means test, the perfect will of God. So I just want to tell you this morning, church, if you want to test and see God's will for your life, live according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you want to really test God's will. If you're like, I don't know what God's will is for my life, get to Romans 12, get your life in line with what God has said, and you'll see it. And it'll be proven to you. And you'll see it and you'll see God's word tested and lived out in your life just by getting into that area. And that's what I believe uh, Caleb was able to do and it, what kept him grounded and kept his eyes uh, and his focus in the Lord when the nation all around him was faltering. Think about it. When the nation was gr uh, griping and complaining all around them, he was able to hold on to that promise of God because he was completely committed to him. And when you're completely committed to God, you're going to hold him at his word, aren't you? You're going to hold him at his word. You're going you're to trust in what he tells you. And Caleb was committed, and that's what fueled his actions. But not only was he committed and completely committed to God, but secondly this morning, Caleb courageously claimed God's promise. I went with the theme of C's today. Did you notice that? <laughs> he courageously claimed God's promise. I love this. This is probably my favorite part of the whole story as we get into verse number 10 back in Joshua 14. And now behold, he says, this is great, the Lord hath kept me alive. <laughs> he knew how old he was. <laughs> as he said, these 40 and 5 years, so he was 40 when he went to spy, now 45 years later, ever since, or even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day four score, that's uh, 20 is a score, so four score, 80 and 5 years old. As yet, look at this in verse 11. I love this. As yet, <laughs> I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40. And, of course, we imagine him like with a cane, right? <laughs> I'm as strong today. No, I, I, don't, I don't think he was a cowboy. Uh, but he said, I'm as strong this day. And then look at this. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. He, I'm ready <laughs> both to go out. And to come in, and verse number 12, now therefore give me this mountain. I love that phrase. It's the title of today's message. Give me this mountain. He says, I'm as strong as I was when I'm 40, and I'm ready for war. And so give me this mountain there in verse number 12. 
Give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. And then he said this, if so be the Lord will be with me. Do you see that there? If so be, is that up there? Good. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. If the Lord is with me, I'll be able as an 85-year-old man to drive them out as the Lord has said. I love this old guy. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I love this guy. I mean, he's 85, and it did not matter to him. It did not faze him that there were still powerful people there. It did not faze him uh, at all. God had promised it to him, and he said, if God's with me, then I'm going to experience the victory. Man, how inspiring is this? That this guy would storm forward <laughs> into the fulfillment of God's promise. What I want you to see is we're seeing somebody with an undivided heart. You notice that? He's all the way in, and the strength and the enthusiasm that he has is because he strongly believed God's promises to him and to Israel. And because he believed the promises, it renewed him completely. It renewed him spiritually, and I believe it renewed him uh, physically as well. It reminds me of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16 where it says, uh, and, and he's speaking specifically about God's grace and God's truth and the gospel. He says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And it talks about the renewing strength of the promises of God, the renewing strength of a life that's committed to him. And uh, 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 we are able, church, to move forward for the Lord, and we are renewed in our inner person day by day through the word of God and by trusting in his promises. And that's really what faith is all about. See, faith is recalling the promises of God and then claiming them for our own. That's what it means to walk by faith. Reminding ourselves of what those promises are and then claiming them for our own. Now you gotta remember, Satan is so great at snatching away the word of God. We see that in the gospels, that whole story of the seed being sown and Satan comes in and snatches it away. He does not want us in the word of God because you will find out what God promised to you. See, if Satan can keep you from reading the word, and this is why we focus so much on having daily devotions and being in the word and, and being in church services whenever the word of God is open so that we hear the word, because Satan will, he loves it. He loves it when you don't read the Bible. I'm going to say this too. He loves it when you don't go to church. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor and I want everybody to come to church. <laughs> By the way, I want everybody to come to church. And the Bible does actually too. God said, as so much the more as you see the day approaching towards the end times, which we are getting close. He says we're to gather together even more. But I'll tell you what, every time that, 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 that you allow something to get in the way, I'm not talking about being sick. Don't drag yourself in here when you got the bird flu and all that. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes we're just like, eh, I don't think I'm going to go today. <laughs> For whatever reason. Or we allow the easiest things to trip us up. Hey, I'm with you. There's times I don't want to come to church. I get that's true. Actually, that's actually true, yeah. I wanted to come today, though. I was good to be here. You're like, really? Yes. Sometimes I don't want to come to church. But you know what? I know what God commanded, so I come anyway. Because I don't want to miss out on something. And every time I don't feel like going to church and I go to church, God teaches me something. Guaranteed 100%. Many of you could probably have that same illustration where you're like, I do not want to go. And the kids are fighting and there's puke in the car and all of these terrible things are happening. So I don't know if we should even go today. But then you come and you sit and God just speaks to you in an amazing way. You know, we do have an adversary, church. We do have an adversary. And he wants to do everything he can to keep us from the word. That, none of that's in my notes, but here we go. Uh, he wants to keep you from the word. Why? Because it's the word that teaches us what God has given to us. It teaches us about his promises. In his word, we know about his forgiveness. We know about his strength. You know, God has forgiven you, church. 
You know that? You know, God will forgive you for what you did this past week. He will. We know about his forgiveness. We know about his strength. We know about his provision, about his deliverance from temptation. We know about his victory over sin. We know his, about his power over life. Or we know about his power to live for God. We know about his grace to endure. We know about the life that is abundant. And we could continue and going on and on and on. But the thing is, is that if you don't have anything in your heart, then you have nothing to recall. And so often we struggle to walk by faith simply because we cannot recall the promises of God because we're not in his word. We're not hiding it in our hearts. And so uh, we need to get into the word. We need to know what it is and we need to be uh, challenged with it and claiming that promise uh, for ourselves. See, Caleb here was a great example. It took 45 years for his faith to be sight, but he never forgot about it and he never stopped claiming that promise as his own. I wonder when was the last time you claimed a promise of God for your own? When was the last time you verbally and out loud and not in a weird way claimed a promise of God for your own? I'm not talking about a crowded bus <laughs> and you just sort of let it go like, Lord, you pr- oh, no. <laughs> scare somebody. You know, what, you know what is the biggest prayer I've been praying lately in my own life is this, God, I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And claiming that promise of his trustworthiness, of his goodness. It's important for us to recall and to remember what it is. How many times, uh, when was the last time you reminded God or claimed out loud that he is going to provide for you? That, Lord, I know you promised that if I live for you, you're going to give me opportunities to witness. That, Lord, you promised you're going to walk with me through the fire. When it feels like I'm drowning and it feels like I'm on fire, God, you're going to be there with me. God, I trust you. See, Caleb, he knew the promise of God, but he claimed it for himself. He made it. He said, this is my promise. God, you gave it to me, and I'm going to live in light of this. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to pursue it with all of my heart. And then at the end of it all, he gave God the glory. I want you to, I want to point out a couple of quick things. He gave God the glory for his faithfulness. Back in verse number 10, he talked about his faithfulness. Think about it. He survived for 45 years. <laughs> 45 years. Everybody over the age of 20 died during those 40 years in the wilderness. That would be an estimated 25,000 people per year. That's 70 people per day were dying in the nation of Israel in order for God's, uh, God's judgment to be upon them. And he lived through all of that. He lived through the quail. He lived through the days and days of manna, 40 years of this. He lived through all of it. He lived through the grumbling, but yet he points it back to God's faithfulness. And then in verse number 11, he gives God the glory for his goodness. Think about it. He was in the same physical condition. We have to take him at his word. He, now that he's loony a little bit, we, we have to take him at his word. He's in the same physical condition at 85 as he was with at 40. I mean, this guy should open his own gym, right? <laughs> Getting cut with Caleb. You know? Sounds like a TV show. I mean, he, he, he had something. Now you say, oh, that's silly. He probably was just old and he just thought he was awesome. I really do believe that God had graciously preserved his physical health. We see that throughout the Old Testament, actually, in several different people. Because what's the point of God, like, barely keeping him alive, and then he gets to the promise, and he's like, great, and then he just conks, you know? I, I mean, God would have kept him healthy, so he would have been able to experience the promised land, experience the blessings that God had given to him. And, uh, and so he praises God for his goodness as well. In verse 12, he praised God and gave him glory for his power. He knew what God had promised, and he knew that God would have to go before him if he was going to have it happen. And, and so he depended upon God uh, and God's power for his strength. He depended on God and his power to also take over the land that had been promised to him. And so the question is, is well, what happened, right? I want to know what happened. So let's finish out here over in Joshua chapter number 15. Look at verse number 13. This is what happens. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
He gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua. Even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. <laughs> you see what happened there? He was given the land, and 85-year-old Caleb, obviously he had the help of his tribe, <laughs> but he went up there, and they fought off, and they actually took down three sons of uh, Arba, who the, nation, the area was actually named after Arba, and he took down the three sons then of Anak, these three guys, and he, and he took over the land. He took over the land. You know, today, church, I want to be a kind of person who follows Caleb's example. I want to follow his example. I want to be the person who is confident in the will of God and to be consistent through the years of obeying and trusting the Lord. I want to be the kind of person who has the faith to uh, follow or the faith to recall God's promises and the faith to claim them for my, all, uh, for my own. And then through it all, throughout my life, I want to make sure that I'm able to give God the glory for what he does in my life and just give him the glory. So how do we do that? How do we become a people with this kind of testimony? Well, first of all, it comes to the place of complete and total commitment to following God. That's where it all starts. Complete and total commitment to following God. See, that was the source of what everything Caleb was able to see in his life was at the baseline, at the very base of it was that he was trusting and completely committed to God. Because when you're committed and wholly committed to God, there's not a lot of time for distraction. Have you ever been through a season of your life where you're like, I'm all in, God, <laughs> I'm totally committed. It's interesting how the Lord just, you're able to narrow your focus a bit and you're not distracted by all of these things that are out there. You're able to have a, a good focus when we uh, are pursuing the Lord in this way, there's not a lot of time for sinful pursuits. Because when we follow God and we pursue Him and we discover His will and His plan, you then will want to claim it for your own. And I would say that this is the secret to the fulfilled life as a believer today. The secret to being fulfilled completely. Some of you struggle with feeling fulfilled in your job. Some of you feel a struggle in being fulfilled uh, in the responsibilities that God has given to you in this moment right now. You're, you're discontent, you're struggling with it. Here's the secret to the fulfilled Christian life. The secret is this, committing to God, first of all, say, Lord, I'm all in, and then secondly, claiming then his promises for your own. And between those two, you'll discover what it means to live the fulfilled Christian life. So here's what happens though. There's a lot of Christians today who will say, I'm committed, I'm all in. I'm all in. And then God begins to reveal to you his will for your life, and you're like, whoa, back up. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I got something I want to do first. Or, so you're telling me, Lord, that if I commit to you in this way, that I'm going to have to give this up? Or I'm going to have to maybe uh, take a turn in my, in my life? I'm going to have to maybe make a stand for something that's right? I may have to remove some relationships out of my life? Is that what you're saying, God? I don't know that I want to go there. And that's the issue. We'll have these moments, you know, uh, at a camp or at a church service or, or some special meeting where we're like, God, I'm all in and we commit to God. And then when he says, all right, awesome, here's my will for you. And you're like, ooh. And because of fear, we back away from it. And then we don't ever experience, rather than saying, okay, this is God's will, I'm going to claim this. That's what we see here with Caleb. God said, you were faithful to me, Here's your inheritance. You're going to get there. I promise you're going to get there. And Caleb was all over it. I'm going I'm to get, this is, this is for me. This is, my, this is my promise. 
I'm going to fulfill it. And if you want to be truly fulfilled in life, it's knowing the will of God, claiming it for yourself, and making that your wholehearted pursuit for your life. You'll never struggle with doubts in that area again. I promise you that because you'll know. The day that I surrendered to God's will for my life to be a pastor was the scariest but most freeing day of my life <laughs> because I didn't want to do it. I really didn't want to do it. I, I, this is not like my jam. <laughs> this is not what I wanted to do. But when I realized, okay, this is who God created me to be. This is what he wants me to do. I'm going to claim it and I'm going to go for it. I'm all in 100%. This is what my life is about. Man, I, I'm never, I would never go back. I'll never go back. And, and you know, and we talked about this, God's will for you is not for everybody to be a pastor or a missionary. We, we recognize that. But all of us, God has something for us. You know what? Even if it's just you parents saying, you know what? God has given me these kids and I'm going to raise them for the glory of God. I'm gonna, I want to reap in my children what I sow into them. You always reap more than you sow. And I want to sow seeds of the truth. I want to seed faithfulness to them. I want to seed uh, them in, in my kids a trust in God. And I want to reap that in their lives. Go, man, and just commit to that. If that's the will of God for you, commit to that. And be all in. Don't, let, don't get distracted. It's easy to get lazy as a parent, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I'm the only one. How many times do I say in a service, I'm the only one? I get it. Well, you can pray for me about this. I get lazy as a parent because it's easier just to be like, Disney Plus, woo, $8.99 a month. <laughs> it solved all my problems. <laughs> and, uh, and it's easy to do that. It's hard to be there with your, parent, your kids and correct them and, and make things right. And, and, and point them in the direction of God. It takes work. But you know what? If that's the will of God for my life, then I need to be all in on it. I need to commit to that. Hey, kids, you guys are in the service today. All you kids, look up here. Listen, right now, the will of God for you is that you be under the protection of your parents. That you be under the protection of your parents' authority. The Bible talks about a hedge of protection that comes from authority. And you kids, listen, right now, you may not know what God's future will is for your life, but right now, God's will for you is to be obedient right? And to obey your parents and to trust your parents, even though as a nine-year-old, you think your dad does not have it figured out. And by the way, he probably doesn't in some areas, but it doesn't matter because he is your dad and he loves you and he'd do anything for you. And so the will of God for all of us, you know, if you're not sure what it is, just get in the word and you'll know the will of God for you in this moment. You know, we talk, if you're, if you're single today and you're praying for God to bring somebody into your life, you know what the will of God is for you relationally is to keep yourself in a good place, Keep your, your mind and your heart pure before the Lord in preparation for what God may do. If you want to you wanna be with the right person, you got to be the right person. And so, man, that's the will of God for you in that. And pursue that with your heart. I could go all, we, we could go all the rest of the, the afternoon if we wanted to and talk about different ways that God's will has already been revealed to us. But I want to challenge you to not just commit to it, but claim it. That's what I want to get across today. Don't just commit to it, claim it. And today's the day to do that. How many times have we had services and I've said, how many of you today would commit to something to the Lord? And man, hands up. I commit. I commit. Okay. Well, if you commit, today we want to take it another step further and we want to claim it today. And say, Lord, if this is something that you've spoken to me about, then Lord, I'm all in on it. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to claim it. And I'm going to live my life wholly devoted and committed to you. We hope today's message was an encouragement in your relationship with Christ. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Bang City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will in your life.